0: Continuing our series from Gleanings in Genesis. If you're with us this morning and you don't have a Bible, just flag one of the guys coming up the aisle right now and they'll get a Bible into your hands Mark to our passage, which wouldn't have been hard uh, today. And if you don't own a Bible, please make that Bible a gift from the Lord to you today. Genesis chapter 1, a single verse there. Uh, verse 27, So God created man in his own image. The image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Chapter 2, verse 1, And thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them was finished. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. And then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had uh, created and made. And this is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens before any plant of the field in the earth uh, and before any herb of the field had grown. For the Lord had not caused it to rain on the earth and there was no man to till the ground. But a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man, that is, Adam, became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil." Now a river went uh, out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it parted and became four river heads. The name of the first was Pishon. Uh, It is the one that skirts the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. The Delium and the Onyx Stone are there. The name of the second river is Gihon, which is in, it is uh, the one which Uh, goes around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is uh, uh, Hittichel. It is the one that goes toward the east of uh, Assyria. The fourth river is the Euphrates. And then the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For on the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Let's pray together. Father, we always are so grateful to turn to your Word and to turn some, to something that is rock-solid, immovable, that does not change on us, Lord, something that we can build uh, both a life and an eternity upon. And we pray, Lord, that every purpose for which you have put these verses in the Bible, uh, at least some portion of those purposes, uh, would be lifted off of the page today and built into our lives, into our understanding of the world around us, into our very relationship with you. And we pray for that work of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Before we get to the creation of uh, Eve and then God instituting His ordinance uh, of marriage, which was what I had intended to uh, get to today and occurs a little bit later in the chapter, I I wanted to cover those subjects and then what we're going to look at today in all one sitting and then it just became apparent that um, that was hopeless. Uh, just too much, and so uh, I, I want to briefly examine God's description here this morning uh, of the context of, of the creation of Adam and Eve, which is the Garden of Eden. A- and then I want to return to the statement of chapter 1, verse 27, and specifically the phrase, male and female, He created them. Uh, in th- Concerning the Garden of Eden, g- God actually gives some considerable space. Uh, to it in the passage that we've read here today, talking about the fertility of it and then the, um, the location uh, of it. The, it is important, if you're new to the Bible, to realize that before uh, the flood in Noah's time, there was a very different ecosystem uh, that uh, operated in the world. There was no rain at that time, uh, up until that time, uh, everything was watered. The entire cycle in- involved kind of a great uh, mist, as he talks about it in, in verse 6 of chapter 2, uh, this, uh, th- that would come upon the whole earth and keep all of it uh, well watered and fruitful, a completely different atmosphere. Uh, at that time, which, of course, uh, the, at the time of Noah, when it began to rain and the flood uh, came, uh, it would have been all the more terrifying uh, to people because they had never experienced rain before. So there's a lot of surprises that were happening uh, before them. Uh, the Garden of Eden is… God describes it here as being located somewhere… Uh, in the Middle East and uh, he tells us that a river uh, must have been quite a river ran through uh, the Garden of Eden and such a great river that uh, it then parted at its boundaries and then proceeded to feed uh, as a water source four great rivers that then flowed uh, from that river and so the four uh, river uh, heads are named uh, Paishan, Gihon, Hidakel, which is the Greek equivalent uh, for the Tigris River, that's what's being uh, described, and then uh, the Euphrates, and we don't know anything about uh, Pishon or Gihon, but the Tigris and the Euphrates rivers, we know that they exist even today in what is modern-day Iraq. And uh, we don't know exactly. We can't say, well, the Garden of Eden was in, in Iraq. We don't know exactly because following the flood, I mean, the breaking up of the foundations of, of the earth uh, in terms of the flood wasn't caused just by the rain but by water sources coming up out of the ground. And as a result of the flood, what we know is the different continents of the world and the separations that occur between uh, you know, the, the Middle East and and then into uh, Africa and so forth. Uh, those divisions probably were very different prior to uh, the flood. So everything is worked around a little bit. But we know the Garden of Eden wasn't in China, uh, it wasn't in the United States of America, no matter how uh, USA-centric we might be. Somebody might work it out and say it was located in California and put an amusement park up. But, um, but it, was, it, it, it is, was in that region, which is completely interesting in the light of the fact that those that study these kind of things uh, I- indicate that uh, the earliest man in their studies came somewhere from uh, the Middle East or in northern Africa. And so all of this, of course, as you read it in the newspapers, as it surfaces every so often, is completely consistent with uh, the, the account here uh, in Genesis. It is interesting too I think uh, th- to notice in verse 15 of chapter 2 that we're uh, told that man was giving the responsibility of tending and keeping the garden of Eden. It would have been very different than uh, tending and keeping a garden or being a farmer today and At that time, there were no weeds, there was no uh, labor, there was no exhaustion, uh, there were none of kind of the uh, 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 adverse kind of circumstances that we try and pull something out of the ground with today, because this was all pre-fall. So imagine being able to go out into your yard, fallen as as it is, but you not being fallen and you could work in your yard or work in your orchard or work in whatever all day long and never know what it is to be tired or to be exhausted or to say, oh, I've got to stop here now. And uh, and so just exactly what they were dealing with in terms of the tending, there's no revelation uh, on it. But it does uh, tell us that uh, even though the tending of the garden would not have involved, again, the, su- the, the sweat and the labor uh, involved today, it does tell us that God created man to work. Uh, and He did create us to be productive, uh, both male and female, Adam and Eve. And uh, today, I think that in, in our culture, uh, uh, so often our visions of paradise, our visions of Uh, you know, Eden in this life would be to just be able to lie around and do nothing all day, day uh, after day. But interesting to realize that that is not the picture of paradise in the Bible. Uh, It isn't the picture uh, of Eden at all, and uh, certainly isn't true of any paradise that we would try to be establishing uh, today. We were meant as human beings uh, to work, uh, to be productive, to be uh, about God's business uh, in, in the world. Uh, and uh, this is why allowing people uh, to live off of welfare indefinitely, and this is not an anti-welfare rant, but, but to allow people to live off of welfare indefinitely when they're able-bodied uh, is destructive. Uh, it isn't just destructive to the coffers of government, in terms of the taxpayer and all, it is destructive also for the person. And uh, you might have noticed even recently now, uh, the city of Stockton, I think there might have been another city or two that is either doing it or they were thinking about it, but the city of Stockton decided that uh, they were going to uh, establish a pilot program to give uh, people $500 of, of free cash Uh, each month. Uh, No strings attached, just provided to them. So Karen and I, we moved to Stockton immediately and (laughs) figured out how we can do it. And uh, the fascinating thing about it is if you followed in the news at all, uh, that some of the loudest voices that came out against such a plan did not come from uh, fiscal hawks or Uh, fiscal conservatives against, you know, tax dollars being spent uh, in that way. Uh, The the loudest voices of protest against the proposal was on the part of sociologists and uh, and, uh, psychologists, other people like them, who warn that it is an absolute disaster uh, uh, to uh, disincentivize uh, work in people, uh, because work is necessary in uh, human beings in order for them to establish some sense of of self-worth and uh, dignity. And uh, so, uh, the, the all of it uh, testifying to the fact that uh, even pre-fall when everything was just perfect, uh, we have this need to be uh, uh, productive in this way. And we are productive. You look at how much of the world we brought into cultivation. How much of the world we built great buildings in. We climb the Himalayas and Mount Everest. And why do we do that? Because it's there, you know. And there's this something within us that, uh, there is, that is deeply gratifying to tackle something significant and then to accomplish it that has been uh, with us all along. Uh, even in the beginning, and though the the fact that we've been created in the image of God has been certainly marred by uh, the fall of Adam and Eve, and we bear the consequences of that to this day, but we still bear that image, and we bear the image of original creation in, in uh, this uh, this regard. Uh, certainly, I think in terms of uh, of being productive and being busy post-fall in this age, uh, where we have to deal with the sin nature and all of this. Uh, something about work and staying busy and staying productive uh, is very, very good for us, if for no other reason than, as the old saying goes, idle hands and idle minds are still the devil's workshop. But I think at its core we still have a need, a sense of accomplishment and self-worth and, and dignity that is found in work that we see here um, in the Bible. And, and perhaps there will uh, come a day where uh, the enlargement of robotics and automation in our culture, which is certainly going to uh, make uh, significant inroads into portions of our labor pool, though these kind of things tend to then produce other jobs in other areas. Uh, but maybe we will become so Uh, uh, advanced in this way, uh, that money will be made by companies, not based upon the labor of people, but on the labor of machines, and it will be necessary to uh, supplement uh, those that have been uh, hurt by the automation, and so, uh, but it should never, ever uh, be taken to the place that that any of us should cease to work and be productive in life uh, as long as we're, uh, you know, able to in terms of body and mind. Uh, uh, The sixth day also included a prohibition communicated uh, to Adam in verses 16 and 17, uh, where God declared, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day, in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. And we will certainly return to that when we get to chapter 3. I do want, as I promised to do last week, I do, do want to return uh, to the statement of God and His Word in verse uh, 27, declaring that when God created man, when He created us in His image, uh, male and female, He created them, and he makes mention of only two sexes there. Uh, and some of, uh, someone might protest already, uh, well, how uh, binary uh, of God to only acknowledge the existence of uh, two sexes in this age of enlightenment in which we live in uh, today. The, um, it, it wasn't that long ago in the United States of America uh, that this truth, of God was accepted without uh, any debate at all, uh, much less uh, being kind of uh, rejected as uh, venomously as, as many do uh, today. It wasn't that many years ago in the United States of America that uh, the words sex and gender were used interchangeably, and that both uh, sex and gender were determined objectively. Uh, that a person's sex was determined uh, on the basis of chromosomes and on the basis of human anatomy. Uh, in other words, which of the two reproductive systems uh, did a person possess, what, that they were born with, what kind of plumbing did they, they have? And uh, it is important to realize that the reproductive systems that we are uh, born with, each of us born with, they are formed by virtue of our chromosomes. Uh, In other words, our maleness and our femaleness goes right down to the cells within our body. Uh, Being male and female is not merely about reproductive organs. Uh, it, It goes right down to the cellular structure. of of each of the sexes. And this is why one of the great challenges to try and remedy some uh, issues that people are trying to remedy today, this is why a sex change operation and no amount of hormone therapy uh, can ever change that. We are male and female, all the way down to the individual cells uh, within our body. And, uh, and, and, And this is why our sex based upon uh, reproductive organs that we are born with is such a a primary identifier of whether we are male or female. Because we uh, develop the reproductive organs that we do in the womb because this is what we are on the cellular uh, level. Uh, we, are, we have those reproductive organs because this is what, all the way down to the cellular level, this is who and what we are uh, within our uh, uh, bodies. And, and we develop the reproductive organs we do in the womb because uh, that is who and, and what we are on the cellular uh, level. But all of that has changed today in terms of the the use of gender uh, and the use of sex uh, as uh, interchangeably. And it's changed today with the transgender movement and with this whole idea of uh, gender fluidity, where a person's gender expression can not only shift between the masculine and the feminine, uh, but that it includes uh, a broad number of other genders uh, as, as well to choose from. Uh, for instance, uh, Facebook, which uh, previously had users identify themselves as either male or female, uh, now offers uh, fully 58 genders, uh, different genders to uh, choose from. And so, one's sex or one's gender is no longer determined by chromosomes. It's no longer determined by uh, human anatomy, on things that are objective, things that are concrete, but they're based on something that is perceived and based upon something that is purely uh, subjective, based upon what a person believes about themselves or what a person feels uh, about uh, themselves to be. And, uh, and of course, what a person feels themselves to be, or believes themselves to be, can change multiple times within uh, uh, their, their lifetime. And there's the freedom for all of that to happen, and indeed a person is free to identify with whatever gender they choose, based upon what they believe and feel uh, uh, themselves to be on any given day. Uh, And in fact, a person's fluctuating gender uh, identity can have uh, include having multiple genders all at the same time, uh, or no gender at all. This is the world we find ourselves in uh, today. Well, of course, all of this can only lead to uh, moral and social and practical uh, anarchy uh, in society. And accommodating all of this, uh, this new way, uh, these new feelings and beliefs, accommodating all of this on a a practical level is just simply unworkable. Uh, You might remember the uproar that occurred back in 2015 when, under the Obama administration, the uh, Departments of Justice and Education instructed that schools nationwide must respect the uh, chosen gender identities uh, of their students to the point of allowing males who self-identified as female to use uh, women's restrooms, uh, to use their showers, uh, to use their uh, locker rooms and vice versa. Uh, There are very few uh, women wanting to go into a men's locker room, uh, but it's heavily loaded in the other direction. And, and all attempts at stopping this, this kind of madness and, and misunderstanding was just simply shouted down at the time as discrimination and transphobia. And in fact when the, the state of, uh, of, of North Carolina uh, operated then in defiance of what was coming down from the federal department. Uh, there was a, a great boycott was called upon the state for being so narrow and, and discriminatory and uh, transphobic. Um, the, the latest crisis that's been caused by all of this is in the realm of women's sports. Because you now have men self-identifying as women and uh, now entering into women's sporting events. And as you might imagine, uh, they are simply dominating uh, those events. You may not be aware, here's our uh, American women's soccer team, uh, won the world championship here recently, uh, and it is a fabulous accomplishment within the realm of uh, women's sports. Uh, But immediately prior to uh, heading into that uh, tournament, uh, they uh, had a, a preliminary uh, scrimmage game with a, 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 a skilled team of uh, 15-year-old uh, young men. Uh, and they lost that scrimmage 5 uh, to 2. Uh, it, it, uh, 15-year-old uh, males and uh, the extraordinary athletes that these uh, women are in their field, but it shows the difference that is there between the sexes in, in the realm of athletics and, and strength and stamina and, and, uh, and, uh, and, and other areas. Uh, the, there is, for instance, recently the transgender woman who dominated the long uh, distance bike race in Europe and then celebrated it on uh, Twitter and Facebook as if um, uh, uh, he was just one of the girls. And it was this tremendous accomplishment that, that he had uh, uh, done and celebrated it as, I- as if, uh, in the same way that a woman might uh, celebrate that kind of, uh, of an accomplishment well, the women, and this has been going on for a long time, but finally, you know, the dam is going to break on these kind of things. And finally, some of the women that were in the race, they simmered under all of this and and uh, finally spoke up about uh, the unfairness of all of this and were com- uh, ultimately uh, buried under an avalanche of, uh, of tweets condemning them for uh, their discrimination. Um, there is e- even… Uh, uh, Martina Navratilova, and I watched her all those years when I used to play a lot of tennis, her and Chrissy Everett, and what, what a dominating, uh, dominant athlete she was, uh, world-famous tennis champion who is a very outspoken advocate for the homosexual community, and a lesbian herself. She spoke out, uh, uh, even uh, all of this forced her to speak out and the unfairness of all of it, And when she did, she was roundly criticized uh, by transgender uh, advocates. Uh, She wrote in a tweet, uh, you can't just proclaim yourself a female and be able to compete against women. Uh, Immediately the backlash, even against someone of her stature, uh, and uh, and as a lesbian was massive back toward her, um, she then uh, publicly uh, shifted from the position. Uh, I don't know what pressures were brought to bear up, uh, upon her, but then subsequently she returned to her, uh, her initial position and communicated uh, this. She said to put the argument at its, its most basic, A man can decide to be female, take hormones, if required, by whatever sporting organization is concerned, win everything in sight, and perhaps earn a small fortune, and reverse his decision and go back to making babies if he so desires. It's insane uh, and it's uh, cheating, Uh, independent of uh, Martina. There is tremendous tension with, within the LBGTQ movement, and specifically between humo, uh, homosexuals and transgenders within, uh, within that umbrella. Uh, this last spring, in uh, many, many places, you might have followed it yourself and seen it in the news, you had uh, transgender women, men who identified as women, absolutely crush and dominate women in high school uh, track and field uh, events, and uh, setting long-standing, breaking long-standing records, setting uh, new records as they uh, made this self-identification and then moved into uh, that realm. And I think to myself, imagine uh, training so hard as a young woman, Uh, for years. And you finally uh, reach the pinnacle of your sport and uh, a state meet and a chance to win a gold medal and then watching a biological male settle down into the starting blocks next to you uh, to begin the sprint. Uh, Even more recently, a transgender uh, United States weightlifter, uh, he, a, 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 a man who, identifying as a woman, he won nine medals at the uh, 100% raw competition on April 27th, 2019. And in the course of, uh, of doing that, uh, he smashed uh, world records in many of those, those categories, and, uh, and then thanked everybody for their support. In, in, uh, in, in their, their congratulations. Uh, fortunately, in a, a rare moment of sanity occurred uh, when his, his mandatory uh, urine sample came back revealing him to be male. And uh, the governing body explained their decision uh, to strip him uh, of those records and, and the medals uh, by uh, declaring, our rules and the basis of separating genders for competition are based on uh, physiological classification rather than identification. And whether they know that they're uh, quoting the Bible or going back uh, to Genesis chapter 1, I don't know. But uh, they could see trouble afar off and, and, uh, and, and the, the absolute... Uh, confusion and chaos that I- is on, uh, on the other path and, and declared are, are the basis and rules uh, the, of separating genders for competition are based on physiological classification rather than identification. Uh, one commentator uh, concerning all of this stated, Al Moeller and his uh, very wonderful podcast, by the way. For any Christian to listen to that's interested in the news uh, and, and in a, and listening to it and processing it in a sanctified way, it's called the briefing. Uh, but uh, he declared uh, succinctly the way that he does uh, of, of this trend it's come down to a choice. Uh, you, have, uh, you can have the transgender revolution or women's sports, but you cannot have both. And uh, that is the truth of the matter. And all of this chaos is, of course, coming to an Olympics or a sporting event uh, near you. There there is also a significant number of feminists in America and in the United Kingdom. Uh, And uh, feminists are traditionally not uh, great uh, advocates for God or for Christianity or, or for the Bible. Uh, who are raising their voice, and uh, are staunchly anti-transgender because of the concern that this will ultimately lead to uh, female erasure. Uh, That is uh, the idea that being a woman woman, uh, actually means something. Uh, and uh, uh, that women are unique, and and in their thinking, and certainly they're right about it, it trivializes what it means to be a woman. And uh, one uh, of these feminists uh, declared, uh, interestingly, uh, in uh, in a hearing as changes were being planned in the Scottish Government's uh, Gender Recognition Act, Uh, She declared women's rights exist because women are born female, not because they identify with femininity, uh, because uh, they wear dresses, uh, because they wear makeup. Uh, That statement that she made, women are born female, uh, I wonder if she realizes how close to the biblical account of creation uh, she is in making a statement like that. The the opposition on the part of feminists uh, towards this transgender movement, it also has at at its core a tremendous concern uh, for the safety of women. Uh, That women feel safe and women need environments that are reserved solely for uh, women and that uh, a male uh, uh, of any degree or any category introduced into that environment completely changes the dynamics and changes a woman's ability to feel safe in that environment. For instance, women's restrooms, uh, women's locker rooms, uh, women's uh, showers, uh, women's shelters, Uh, These places need to be women's prisons, places that are uh, safe places for women, which means only women uh, as defined by anatomy and chromosomes should be uh, allowed. And this is their stand. Uh, Even today, on a little bit of a lighter note, even today uh, reveal cakes are now uh, under attack. And uh, a reveal cake is this uh, more fairly recent tradition uh, of announcing the sex of uh, the baby that you're going to deliver after you've discovered the sex uh, by, by way of, uh, of a sonogram uh, to announce their sex by uh, way of a cake. And so everyone comes to this party, this uh, reveal cake party. And uh, they're wondering what the sex uh, of the baby is and what the sex of the baby is going to be revealed. And finally, the mother takes the cake, and the cake is covered with the same color frosting all over uh, the, the top of it. And then she finally cuts into the cake and pulls a piece out, and the cake underneath the frosting is either blue or pink. And there you have Uh, a fun way of celebrating and letting everybody know uh, the sex of the baby. But uh, the complaint today by uh, some transgender advocates is that uh, just because the child may be born male or female biologically, it doesn't mean that they will choose to identify with that sex later, and that in having even parties like this, you're putting undue pressure upon the child to conform to the biological uh, sex as opposed to their chosen sex uh, later in life. All of this, of course, is going to require a complete overhaul of language in order to accommodate it. So you have uh, gender-specific pronouns like him or her will have to go and be replaced by their, however uncomfortable or awkward uh, the language becomes. Uh, in in order to accommodate this. And you see the chaos that is going out in in all directions related uh, to this. The Bible records male and female, uh, He created them. And moving away from the simplicity of how our Creator created us and how we can safely uh, view ourselves results in chaos and in disaster. Uh, not the least of which on an individual basis. It, it was in this context, in the the, the creation of uh, man, male and female created he, him, them. It, it, it was in that context that God uh, declared concerning mankind that this was uh, very, very good. And in the fallenness of, of the world and mankind after the fall of Adam and Eve, the solution to any problem that we face in life or any tendency that we have within our own uh, particular bodies. The solution to anything, including sexual confusion and identity is not to run further down the path of fallenness in order to find a resolution Uh, to our problems uh, and to our identity problems. The, The safe thing to do is to go back to what God described as good and indeed very good, embrace that, and then begin to work out our problems from there. And when we do that, we will know that we're doing so from a very, very uh, firm uh, footing. Uh, All of this brings uh, to mind the the old adage that exhorts us, uh, before you tear down a wall, uh, you might want to ask why it was built uh, to begin with. Uh, What is it protecting you from and, 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 and Uh, And what is it intended to protect you from? And that is never more important than when a society is determined to tear down a wall of safety that God has introduced into uh, human history. But we don't live in that culture anymore. We don't live in a culture that asks those kind of questions anymore, that asks, where does this lead? Uh, where does all of this take us? Where does all of this end? Now today what we do is we simply feel. And then we do what our our feelings tell us to do with the absolute supreme confidence that somehow it will all uh, work itself out uh, until one day you push across a line uh, when it doesn't. And and that line exists. It reminds me of another old saying, uh, and that is that they've become so broad-minded that all of their brains fell out. And I don't mean that as a a cheap shot. I don't mean it as a cheap shot. But this is what happens when your views are not anchored in thinking. They're not anchored in objective facts. They're not anchored in reality, but they are then anchored instead in something that is as subjective as our feelings. Nothing in life can operate uh, in this way where feelings are given the preeminence over facts and over reality. Uh, In a society that would take Uh, that very premise, and apply it to our highways. It would never be safe to drive on the roads, uh, or construct a building, or perform a surgery, or play a sport. Nothing at all. Everything would devolve into chaos and danger if we applied uh, the same criteria that we're applying to sexual identification uh, to every other sphere of life. And if something is true, It is true in every sphere of life. Every single human being is broken. Every one of us. We are fallen and we are sinful as a result of that fall, that sin of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks And every single one of us in this room, in the world, we need a Savior. We need a relationship with God uh, to bring meaning and hope and holiness and stability into our lives. And if you are homosexual or identify as transgender or as any of the other 57 categories of gender uh, that are in play today in our culture, in this time in human history, it's important for you to realize that you are more broken sexually, more distant from the divine ideal in the area of sexuality than the heterosexual person, and thus most in need of turning to God and embracing Him and His truth on this issue for your own safety and for your own stability, not only spiritually, but emotionally and mentally and and physically. And yet statistically, uh, it shows that you will be the least likely person to do so. And the question is, why? And I think it's because generally, you count God an enemy, an enemy for simply telling you the truth about an area of your life that you're not willing to accept at this point in time. It's not an unusual uh, response in people to anything. Uh, The Apostle Paul wrote in his letter to the churches in the region of Galatia. He said, have I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? He's talking to Christians about Christian things. And they counted him an enemy for telling them the truth. Jesus declared to the Jewish religious leaders of his day, he said, but because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Every single one of us in the world has uh, areas in our lives that we do not want to hear the truth about. We do not want to hear God's truth about it. None of us are alone in that emotion or that, that feeling. But when I refuse God's voice... Into any area of my life, it's important to realize that it is because I am trying to protect something that is dark and to protect something that is a danger to me, a spiritual danger uh, to me, something that will keep me from ever trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins and then being saved which is the greatest danger that a person faces in life. Uh, uh, But it is also a danger to me physically and emotionally and and mentally. Uh, Jesus declared, he said, and this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. And that is, it is Jesus who said that. Jesus who is the greatest friend that we can ever have in life. But he'll always tell us the truth. And if your sexual identity drives you away from God, and it drives you away from the Word of God in order to practice it, and in order to enjoy it without... A conviction, then it is a darkness, and it is not the way that we have been created uh, to live, and it is not the way to live, and one day it will bite us, whatever the issue is. And what you need to know and what you need to do is to trust Jesus to make Him your Savior and to make Him your Lord today and to surrender the entirety of your life to Him with all of your confusion with all of your problems with all of your uh, uh, messed upness with all of the, uh, the emotion that you feel and all of it all of, of what you are and you aren't And give your life to the Lord and make uh, yourself His project. Not your project. Not the project of this age where everyone is experimenting uh, so freely and so recklessly. Turn to God and become His project. And, And you won't be disappointed for doing so. Because God is eager to to take you on as a project and He alone in this world is greater than every problem we have and every problem that we will ever bring to Him. And we all have big problems that we bring to Him. It doesn't mean that all of our problems will go away. It doesn't mean that all of our feelings and all of our temptations will uh, be gone, but by His Holy Spirit and by His Word, He will then be an anchor in our lives to keep us safe in every area of our lives during the course of our life, our pilgrimage here in this world, until all of this fallenness that is within us and is around us finally gives gives way to eternal glory and eternal perfection. And in God getting us from this point to that point, He will never leave us and He will never forsake us. We sang this morning about His faithfulness and how unfailing it is, and it is always so, whatever we bring to Him and need Him to be in terms of our lives. Personally, I am genuinely sorry. I I think about my own life. I think about all of the things that I have to deal with, all of the hang-ups that I have as a descendant of Adam and Eve, all of the goofiness that is in, inside of me, and all of the brokenness uh, that is there. And, and from that, I am genuinely sorry for the pain and the confusion and the rejection that a transgender or anyone else dealing with these kind of uh, issues that they face in their life that most of us do not. I cannot imagine what it must be like. But the solution is never found in rejecting God and in rejecting His truth, but in surrendering to Him And drawing near to him. And you don't want to merely take my word for it. Listen to Jesus' call to you, and more than a call, his promise to you. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, he said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Someone might listen to this today and say, you know, Pastor, the sexual revolution as it began in the 1960s is, it is so much momentum today. I don't think anything you've said today is going to put any kind of a dent in it at all. And I understand that. But this morning I have no intention of speaking to a movement. I want to speak to an individual, to speak to anyone who is in the middle of the chaos and the confusion of all of this and says, I'm not interested in a movement here. I want to know what will bring order and safety and sanity and a foundation into my life. That's the person that I want to, to speak to. I believe that God will meet anyone exactly where we are and then save us and then conform us into the image of Christ. As we sang here this morning, I believe in God the Father. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in the Holy Spirit, and He's given us new life. And I, I, I know that there are those within the sexual movements today that are unapologetically militant, but I I am after the individual who has run down that path far enough to realize that this is not the solution to an emptiness and a loneliness in their life that goes way beyond sexual uh, identity and have concluded that all of life under the sun, all of life being lived independent from God is all vanity and vexation. It is emptiness and it is frustration. And a person that knows that there, and, and, and needs to know that there is hope in God And in the God of the Bible, He is the only hope for every single one of us. And Jesus' invitation to come unto Him, all you who labor and are heavy laden, is not only to those who are addressing issues of sexuality within their life, that's to every single one of us in this room that are not Christians yet. He will take you on, And He will conform you wonderfully into the image of Christ so that you might experience what life is intended to be and then the freedom that is found and found only there. If you've never trusted in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, never entered into that relationship with God, the person of the Holy Spirit will come into your life this morning. Imagine uh, the, uh, the member of the Godhead known as the Holy Spirit will come into your life today and to begin and save you and then begin to overwhelm every need within your life. And it's all there for the asking and the receiving. And there are going to be pastors and other men and women up in front immediately after the service, and they'd love to pray with you and pray for you to begin that relationship uh, today. Let's stand together now and we'll pray. Father, we thank you for your word, the simplicity of it, the clarity of it, the conciseness of it, and we'd expect that of you, and you supply it to us. But thank you, Lord, that you not only supply us with your word, but then your Holy Spirit who is willing to come and confirm your word with accompanying signs and wonders and I pray Lord and we pray for every single man and woman who will hear what has been said today whether on the internet or on the radio or in this room or wherever it might be that you would confirm the truth of what has been spoken here with accompanying signs and wonders in their life they turn to you Lord as I have done in line with your words some sanctified boasting in terms of what you will do and what you will be to them and we thank you Lord that there is a place in this world and all of its fallenness and its brokenness and its confusion and its addictions and and all and all and all that is around us that there's a refuge and a place of safety a place of deliverance and it is found in you. And each of one of us that stands before you right now as Christians Lord we thank you for how you have become all of that and more in our lives and how grateful we are for it and how we long Lord that every person in this world would experience the freedom and the joy and the sense of purpose and meaning and forgiveness, Lord, that we enjoy on a daily basis. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Sunday night.